Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. And if you're taking notes, the title of my message today is That Went the Wrong Way. That, that went the wrong way. And, um, you know, I think we, we've all had this experience where we felt really passionate about this major life change that we wanted to experience. And we started strong and we made impressive progress. And then we completely lost focus and we fell out of the habit and we ended up right back where we started. Or maybe even worse, right? Instead of going like this way, we ended up going back the other way. And it's like, it shakes us. It shakes our confidence and makes us feel like we can never, ever change. And I'm sure this has happened to you, right? Where maybe initially you're like, I'm gonna get in shape, you know? And you joined a gym and uh, you went every day and you extreme dieted. You're like, I'm gonna do the grape diet. You know, it's just where you eat like one grape a day. And, uh, and you lost like 10 pounds and you were feeling great about it. And, and then uh, eventually uh, you were like, man, I'm going to celebrate my weight loss by going to a, a buffet. And then that turned into three days of buffets. And the next time you look down, you're like, there's something wrong with these pants. They're not fitting properly. And that scale is, uh, needs to be thrown out because I've gained 20 pounds somehow and I was supposed to be going the other way. Or maybe you have this goal of like, I'm going to get sort of my finances in order. And so you're like, okay, I'm going to take all the, the good advice. I'm going to Dave Ramsey my life, you know. And you're like, I, you canceled your credit cards. You cut them up. And you canceled your cable package. And you, you were like, you were going strong. You're going to pay down your debt. And you started in that direction. And it started going really good. And you're like, man, I'm doing so great. I'm going to reward myself with a shopping spree. And uh, <laughs> charged up a bunch of stuff, opened a new credit account. And uh, it's 90 days same as cash. And so you just felt like it was too good not to take advantage of. And then you're right back where you started. And we all do this, right? We all get this vision of who we wanna be and how we could look or feel in life. And because we live in the land of go big or go home, right? That is like the American motto. We all uh, go uh, all in out the gate, right? And we take on way more than we probably should. We miscalculate the cost and how difficult it's gonna be. We exhaust our willpower. We burn out early, we give up, and we swing the pendulum right back where it came from. And this is why some of us fall into this trap of getting excited about changing and starting to change, but never ever really fully changing or sticking with our goals. And for some of us, ironically, uh, trying to change our lives our, in our effort to sort of make things better, we only end up making everything worse. And that's disheartening. In fact, I think this reality has given birth to one of the most annoying cliches. And you, I know you've heard this before. If you really wanna change, you gotta make it a lifestyle. How many of you have heard this at least a thousand times, right? It's everywhere. And I feel like every time someone has said that to my face, I wanted to punch them in the face. Um, I hate... Hearing that, and the reason why I hate hearing that is probably for the same reason you do. It's not because I don't believe it's true, I do. It's that I don't always believe that I can do that 
or that I know how to do that, right? There's something that sounds even more overwhelming about the idea of transforming your entire life in order to accomplish a particular goal, right? Uh, if you're like me in my head, it's like, oh, this thing that I wasn't even sure I could pull off for 10 days, I just need to do every day for the rest of my life. Okay, cool, cool. That sounds real doable. And we go right back to the Ben and Jerry's. It just feels like it's not gonna happen. How do you, you know, just start doing life the opposite way than you've done it every single day uh, for all the days leading up to today? I think like in, in our culture, especially in the social media age, we really don't struggle uh, with short-term motivation. We've got a lot of that. We struggle with long-term transformation. For most of us, starting isn't the issue. Sustainability is. Some of us were just like, man, I have started so many plans. I have started so many things. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill this Bible reading plan. And I did for two days, right? I'm gonna do so good on this. And we get going and we're fired up, but we don't know how to sustain our effort. And that is a real issue. If you were really wanting to focus on only the important things, go big on the essential things and subtract anything that's gonna distract you from that, um, that is gonna require long-term commitment and focus. So what do we do about this? And I think this is where our Nehemiah story comes in handy again. We've been reading through this Old Testament book of Nehemiah and sort of looking at his story in order to figure out what God might be saying to us about our stories. And by the time we get to chapter seven of this book, Nehemiah's identified what is most important to him. He's figured out he wants to build this wall um, and rebuild his city. He's taken steps to reorder his entire life around it. He's said no to anything and everything that's in the way, and he's made some significant prog progress. Because if you remember, he set out to build this wall, and by the time we get to the first verse of chapter seven, it says this, the wall was finished, and I set up the doors in the gates. Those are the two things he wanted to do. Build the wall around the city, to insulate the temple, which was their sacred place, and to, to, to refurbish the gates and set them up again. His basic goal is accomplished, and so like, now what? And probably like a lot of us, he, he, the wheels start turning in his head of like, is this thing that I started and made progress on actually going to last? Is it sustainable? Like, how do I know that everything that I did is actually going to, continue on? Like, how do I know things aren't going to go back to the way they were before I start? The reason why I had to build the wall is because uh, it was unprotected and it got torn down. And so how do I know that that's not going to happen again? All these things are playing out in his head. And so watch what he does. It says this in Nehemiah chapter seven, verse two. It says, I gave the responsibility of governing Jerusalem to my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah. I'm sure nobody got those two confused ever the commander of the fortress, a faithful man who feared God more than most. And then I said, do not leave the gates open during the hottest part of the day. Even while the gatekeepers are on duty, have them shut and bar the doors. Uh, appoint the residents to act as guards, everyone on a regular watch. Some will serve at sentry post and some in front of homes. What is this right here? I would argue this is a long-term plan, right? And a long-term plan is essentially just a, a, a reasonable system to ensure sustainability. Because Nehemiah understands that building the wall 
is not enough. It has to be maintained or it's gonna be right back where it was to begin with. And the same thing is true for you. If you are gonna turn a little bit of traction in an area of your life into long-term transformation, you need a plan. You fell in love, that's great. How are you gonna stay in love? You started eating healthy. How do you continue eating healthy? You broke this bad habit that sort of had you pinned down and held under for years. How do you keep it at bay? You, you, you chose to begin to start rebuilding the connection with your kids, but how do you maintain it? And initially, I think when we make some strides, we tell ourselves, you know, this is gonna work out great. You know, this, everything in my life, now that I've figured it out, Everything's gonna go great as long as nothing happens that I haven't accounted for. But I gotta tell you, like, if you need everything to work out perfectly for you in order to succeed, you're in trouble. Because I don't know if you've noticed this, but something always comes up that you weren't counting on. The most predictable thing about life is how unpredictable it is. And this is so frustrating. We're like, everything would have worked out if this thing that I hadn't thought about hadn't happened. And other people are like, how did you not even think that was gonna happen? Of course that was gonna happen. But we are so excited and so determined that we don't wanna entertain that this thing could ever go off the rails. And Nehemiah understands this. He wants his passion project to persevere. And what's threatening that? Potential intruders and attacks on the wall. And he knows that like, you know, if he waits to respond to intruders and an attack, you know, until after the intruders have arrived and the attack is happening, like that's not gonna work out. Like that's too late. And so he lays out this continual plan for care, which is what verse three is all about. And when we start making real progress, I think, towards the goals that God has given us, we wanna believe it's gonna last forever. But if, uh, but like as a result of that, we don't wanna put much effort into asking why this thing may not go the distance. And I gotta tell you, like, if we don't pause to identify potential pitfalls, we can't make a plan to prevent them from tripping us up. And some of us, the reason why we don't follow through is because we never anticipated any reasons we might not be able to follow through. We went out a little bit too excited and didn't think about the real obstacles. We get caught off guard and totally unprepared for the resistance and we fumble the moment and we end up giving up. Isn't this what happened in like most of our failed relationships? The ones from the past, somebody got real quiet. You're like, well, I don't really wanna talk about that. You met somebody, you fell in love with them, everything about them was amazing. You were like, they are the one, we're gonna be together forever. And then someone, a, a really logical, reasonable person asks you, is there any reason you wouldn't be together forever? Any red flags at all? And you were like, you know what, I can't think of one. I can't think of one because this person is so special. And all your friends are like, do you wanna help us brain brainstorm? Uh, we can help you brainstorm real quick. We've got a handful of ideas. Uh, number one, he doesn't have a job. Uh, he doesn't share most of your core values. He doesn't like any of your friends. And quite frankly, he smells of soup, okay? I didn't wanna mention it, but it is a real turnoff. And you're like, okay, first of all, 
I know, it's glandular, and we've talked about it, and I'm willing to overlook that. Secondly, why are you guys so negative? Why can't you just be happy for me? I don't care about all that other stuff. Lie number one. A love like ours is just, it's so strong that nothing can break it. Lie number two. None of these things are a problem. Lie number three. Like I was saying, everything is going to fall into place as soon as he gets back out of prison. Because you guys don't understand... Right, we're so excited about this potential goal that we have that we don't want to anticipate that things may not work out. And the reason we do is not just to be negative, but to actually make a plan preparing in advance for inevitable resistance. The, the point of this isn't even that the relationship won't work. It, it, it's, it's that not investigating why it wouldn't prevents you from being able to prepare for the potential issues that might arise and put in the work to ensure it lasts. Assuming that being excited at the beginning is enough to sustain you long-term is a bad plan. At the same time, we all know people who decided to change their lives and they make maintenance look easy. Don't you hate those people? You ever thought to yourself like, it's just easier for them than it is for me. And can I tell you a secret? It probably is. Sure, it might have been harder at the beginning, but here's the reality. The more you do anything, the more natural, effortless, and automatic it becomes. In, in otherwise, when you look at somebody who's able to maintain something long-term, it looks like it's easier for them than it is for you because you're just getting started and they have a routine that has become so natural that it is easier for them now. Like, for example, um, you know, the first time I murdered someone, you know, it was difficult, okay? I felt bad, not a lot, but a little bit. It was a mess, you know, I'm fumbling around. I'm just like, I don't know what to do with the body. Uh, you know, you're worried, you're just like, did I leave too many fingerprints? But, you know, and this is the good news, now that I've been at it for a while, it has gotten way easier. Okay, and I'm better at it, and I can just relax and have fun. And that's really the point of anything, because I've got a routine, I've got a system. And some of you are like, that was dark. Uh, is that real? Um, it is dark. And the reason why I brought that up is because this is really the point, right? Anything, and I mean anything, you do repetitively becomes more natural, effortless, and automatic, which means you need to pay attention to the things that you do regularly because they are shaping your life. They are forming who you are and you can take control of that. And here's why this happens because the human brain was designed by God with efficiency in mind to experience optimal results with minimal effort. So you're like, I love the sound of that. And basically when you do anything re repetitively, your brain uh, notes it, it files the information away so that you can recognize it and retrieve the process again quickly. So the more you do anything, the more automatic it becomes and the less focused effort it requires. It can kind of happen in the background of your mind while you are more focused on something else. And the reason your brain does this is that while you can multitask, you cannot multifocus. You can only really pay attention to one thing at a time. And so your brain automates whatever you do most often to free up focus 
to uh, tackle new or novel tasks. This is why like, you can do two things at once, most of you, as long as one of the things is something you've done a million times before. But if both of those things are somewhat new to you, they both require a lot of focus and you're going to have to pin it down to just one. A Duke University study revealed that 40% of our choices are deeply unconscious. In other words, our brains are just sort of prompting us to do what we've always done unless we tell them differently. You ever, you ever feel like you're sort of doing certain things on autopilot? It's because you actually are. That's the way you work. You ever start like driving someplace and you're like, I'm gonna go here, and you start driving there, and then you sort of start, you space out, and uh, like when you finally sort of like realize what's happening, you're at work, even though it's Saturday, you didn't mean to go there. And you're like, I don't, how did I even get here? And why am I sitting at my desk in a swimsuit? What is <laughs> happening right now? You're so confused. And it's because that drive is so ingrained in your brain that you can make it without focusing on it. And this is how certain things become easier for some people than they are for others. This is how people, also how people become addicts. Because we begin to absorb and something becomes automatic to us. The Apostle Paul said this about the unhealthy attitudes and actions his brain had internalized. He says this in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. He's like, I don't really understand myself. I want to do what's right, but I don't. Instead, I do what I hate. I, I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do that anyway. Why is this? It's because we've internalized certain patterns that are difficult to shake. It's because your brain wants what it's used to, even if that thing is not healthy for you. And in order to break that pattern, we have to set down a new path. And that path can only be formed with repetition over and over and over again. Back in our story, Nehemiah wanting the wall to, he built to be around for a long time, he puts this system in place to help maintain it. And he makes this system as automated as possible. And what I think is interesting is like, how did he even know to do that, right? He didn't have access to neuroscience or Duke studies or crime shows. But he did grow up in a culture that, that sort of uh, ritualized everything. Ancient Jews have all these rules that are tied to rituals. And sometimes we look at it and we're like, so many rules, it must be oppressive. But here's the reality. It, there were certain mile markers and things they did that they repeated over and over and over again that helped them understand who they wanted to be and what was most important. They began to absorb those things. They became a part of who they were. Wear this every day. Pray at this time. Go to this place. Say these words. When this happens, do this. When that happens, you know, do that. At this time of year, do this ritual. Here are the rules for it. Everything important in their lives was run by an intentional rhythm. And the same thing would be smart for you to do. A lot of those rhythms over time became automatic for these people. Because ancient Jews are brilliant, and so you should steal their secret sauce. Because here's the reality. Um, it is more sustainable to change your schedule and surroundings than to change your feelings. Because we don't do things because we feel like it as much as we feel like it because we're used to doing it. 
And this is why a lot of us will have difficulty getting a rhythm in the right direction is because guess what? You don't feel like doing anything new consistently at first. And if we wait till we feel like it, we are never going to start it. We'll never be able to sustain it. It's actually after you do something for a while, you're like, oh, I kind of want to do it. And it's because your brain wants what it's used to. It has begun to automate that process. Anything that you want to be a part of your life, set an amount of time and repeat it over and over again. And it will begin to become a part of your value system. So how do we make this knowledge work for us? I'm gonna give you just some real practical tips as to how to put this into practice. And the first thing is this, like overhaul your life one thing at a time, one area at a time. Because I know at this time of year, we're all just like, I'm gonna change all the things. My whole life's gonna be better. No, it won't be. You're not gonna be able to do all that stuff. Um, You're like, I'm gonna save all of my money. I'm gonna lose 50 pounds. I'm gonna read seven books a day. It's like, no, you're not gonna do all that stuff. That is too much. You don't even have enough life to make that happen. Only make one major change in your life at a time. Otherwise, it's too much to manage. And this is how you begin to actually uh, change and transform your whole life is you begin to choose one thing and you practice that thing until it begins to become automatic, a little bit easier, and then you add the next thing and the next thing. And some of us don't experience the change we're after because we try and do it all at once and then we burn out quick. And Nehemiah, you know, he doesn't worry about so many other things. He doesn't worry about a plan to maintain until after he gets the building going, until he gets that happening. He also isn't trying to build the wall while going after seven other goals, which a lot of us tend to do. In fact, he literally takes time off work for the sole reason of focusing on this priority at this moment during this season. And for you, it may look like some really hard choices. I know you've probably got some big dreams and goals and desires. A lot of these things are probably God-driven, but there's one thing that is key. There's one thing that if you handle this thing, it will transform everything. And that may mean that, you know, I, I, I'm not gonna pursue my master's degree right now because in order to do that, I would have to miss all of my kids' soccer games. And they're only gonna play these games one time at this age. And this is my priority for this season. Or for some of you, it may be the opposite. Like I need to pursue the master's degree during this season because if I don't, I'm not gonna be able to afford to take care of my family and my kids suck at soccer anyway. (laughs) I don't know, it depends on your priorities, okay? And what's real to your life but we have to pick a lane. The second thing is this, do the hardest and most foundational thing first. In other words, do the thing that'll make it easier to do the other things that you wanna do. And this is super key. Like let's say that your goal is to get in shape. There's a lot of things that you would need to do to do that thing. You start thinking about what all, all they are. Like I need to join a gym, I, do, I gotta get an outfit, okay? Some of those pants with Juicy on the, on the butt. I don't know, a lot of people seem to be wearing those. Um, I feel like guys can too. I don't know why ladies corner that market. You gotta figure out like what exercises am I gonna do and I gotta find a workout partner. Um, But like of all these things that you gotta do, which difficult thing um, should you do first? 
it should be the thing that's gonna make the other ones most easy. So if it's me, I'm more likely to do something if I've got a partner to help me do it. And so my first strategy would begin to like identify somebody and be like, let's do this thing together. Because if I grab them first, then we can move forward together and do all of the things. And again, it's just about like determining what will help me. What's the first domino that will help me move forward and make it more likely that I'll be able to knock the rest over. For Nehemiah, uh, this is what he does when he realizes like, man, I need to figure out a maintenance plan during this next season to take care of this wall that we built and the gates and make sure that it doesn't deteriorate. And there's a million steps of what needs to be done. And so this is what he does. In uh, chapter seven, verse four, it says, at that time, the city was large and spacious, but the population was small. And none of the houses had been rebuilt. And so God gave me this idea to call together all the leaders of the city along with the ordinary citizens for registration. In other words, Nehemiah doesn't get ahead of himself. Before he built out the maintenance plan and trained the people, he had to know who he was working with. Who's actually gonna do this? So he gathers all the people together and just has them register. Because that's the first thing that'll make it easier to do all the other things. Knowing who he's working with, who's gonna help him, who's gonna champion this thing with him, who's as bought in as he is to where he's trying to go. Number three is this, to identify and implement positive triggers, right? I know you're familiar with the word trigger uh, because some of you are just like, oh, I am so triggered. Right, and if you don't say that, your teenagers do, right? Uh, which is frustrating. Um, you know, hey, would you mind doing this chore? I am so triggered. Do the chore triggered, please. Uh, we need to get the chore done. So, however you need to do it is fine. <clears throat> a trigger is essentially this. A trigger is a cue that tells your brain to switch into automatic mode and initiate a familiar habit. Like scientifically, this is what a cue actually is. And there are all types of, of cues that are bound to different things, right? You may have a cue that is connected to a location or that's connected to a specific time or an emotion or an action or other people, right? When I'm in this place, uh, I'm gonna know that I need to initiate this. When it's this time, I always do this. When you begin to tie things that you do to specific Cues, it creates a trigger that enables your brain to be like, oh, when we're here, we do this. This is why like, uh, it's helpful sometimes for people who are trying to work out to join a gym because you're not doing anything else at the gym, right? You don't go in the gym and be like, am I supposed to be getting groceries? What is happening in here? I don't understand what this space is for, right? Um, you, you sort of get it um, at a specific time doing that thing. And then when that time arises, you, you want to follow through on that thing. And you have a bunch of triggers in your life that you already, that you didn't design, right? Uh, you, some of you are you're like, it's Friday night. That means we need ice cream. If we want, watch one episode, that means we have to watch at least two, okay? That's how it works. If the work day is done, it's sweatpants time. That's how it works. If your mother-in-law's in town, act busy. You know, we have different cues that let us know and we're not after a while we're not even choosing them right it just when you're like is today friday and then just suddenly you can it's like you can taste the ice cream 
your brain is just like, we know what to do. We've been cued. And because Nehemiah is dealing with a lot of people that he's trying to motivate to do something, he connects his instructions to all sorts of cues to hedge his bets. If you go back and look at verse three, I mean, he is, he's saying like, you know, at the city gates, so that's a location, right? When you're at the city gates, this is how you need to sort of like operate in that situation. That's a, a cue. At the hottest part of the day. So remember, when it gets hot at this specific time, you need to be hyper-focused on this. You'll be able to know it's time because you'll feel that it's happened. He actually tells them like when they start getting anxious to respond to their anxiety in this way, when this feeling arises in you, determine to do this thing. And eventually that will become an automatic reaction. When the gates are open, do this. Even told him what people to look for. When you come across somebody that is, is faithful and has integrity and seems to fear God, that's the person you need to recruit to help you and be a part of the thing. And so he knows what he's looking for. He builds all these cues into his plan so that the maintenance of his goals can become automatic. The fourth thing I would suggest is this, to start small and start now. You know, we're all like, man, I, you, got, you got to start on Monday. We all know that. Tomorrow's Monday, so it's great for you. But we, we always put things off and we don't want to do anything until we can do the best possible thing. But, you know, if you're just like, man, I need to lower my cholesterol, and you're like, someday I'm going to get a trainer. I'm going to get my own personal chef. You looked up what LeBron does to maintain his body. You're like, I'm going to do that when I get a million dollars. But maybe you don't need to wait that long. Maybe just get up, walk around the block. That's a good start. And some of us, we don't want to do the most basic thing that we could do because we're waiting to do the perfect thing. There's no perfect thing. When we, when we feel the inspiration, it's important to get started. Do what you can do, not what you wish you could do. And the fifth suggestion is to celebrate any and all progress. Any forward movement is a win. And sometimes we beat ourselves up because we're just like, ah, you know, I only kept this up for three days, you know, and so I really haven't gotten there. You know, I, I've, I've been reading my Bible, you know, for two straight weeks, but I don't feel like I know everything about Jesus yet, so I don't think it's working. <laughs> Can't celebrate that, right? Celebrate like what you have done that has progressed you forward because you're never gonna get to that perfect place. Give yourself some credit. So where do we go from here? And this is the thing that I would tell you moving from this series into the future, to make your plan to tell somebody, don't keep it a secret, and just get started. Make your plan, tell somebody, and just get started. Because without a plan, it's not gonna last. If nobody else knows, you're really good at talking yourself out of things you know you need to do. But other people tend to want to hold us accountable. And I know you wanna delay, but start today, today. Because the sooner you start repeating an action that you want to become important to you, the closer you are to automating a new routine in your life. And I really do believe that this could be the year for you, that in this area that God is like, man, you need to, to focus on this now. This is foundational to your life at this moment. 
that this can be the year where instead of taking a couple steps forward and 15 steps back and becoming discouraged, this can be the year that you put one foot in front of the other and you make steady progress forward. This could be the year that things go the right way, but you gotta stick with it. And here's the most encouraging part about that. The Apostle Paul says this in one of his letters to the early church, people who are trying to implement things in their life that represent who God wants them to be, not necessarily representing who their culture has made them to be. It says in Galatians chapter six, verse nine, don't get tired of doing what is good because at just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And the if is very important. The reason you need to keep going, keep moving, keep repeating, even when you don't feel like it, is that at just the right time, which is always later than I want it to be, but at just the right time, that thing begins to become more automatic, more natural, more a part of who you are. This begins to become the new pattern in your life and you begin to have a sense of blessing, that God is with you, that you are moving in the right direction, that you look back over the progress that you have made and you have a sense of appropriate pride because God has been with you the whole time, giving you the desire and the power to be who he made you to be. May this be the year where you fully step into this process. And I wanna pray that into your life today. Would you bow your heads across this room? God, we are so grateful for how much you love us, for the lives that you have inspired us to live. And God, we're, we're thankful that you don't just inspire us to live a new story, but you actually give us a pathway to know how to do that. God, we're thankful for your word. We're even thankful for discoveries in neuroscience that actually demonstrate that you know what you're talking about in your word. That just ratify that like the, the, the person that we wanna be really does come about when we follow your inspiration and we make a plan and we put one foot in front of the other and we trust where you're taking us that we can begin to transform who we are with our effort and also the power of your spirit. And God, I pray that that would be the case in the lives of every person here, every person living online, that whatever it is that you have set up in front of them to pursue, that they wouldn't just get a little bit of traction this time, but as they stay at it, they would experience true transformation, that they would receive the tools to be able to maintain what you have called them to, and that they would truly be changed. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, 
You can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.